Welcome to Untangling Relationships, a conversation between a counselor and a yoga teacher, a Gen Xer and a millennial, and a mother and daughter. Join us as we explore the ins and outs and relationships with your hosts, Janae and Penny. Hi, and welcome. Welcome to our episode. We're going to be doing something a little bit different today. We're excited to start out trying this new format. And what we're going to be doing is breaking down some of the six predictors of divorce. And we're going to do that by watching a clip or listening through a clip from um, a reality TV show from Lifetime called Married at First Sight. And we are in the newest season, season 17. 17. Yes. Um, so this is a fight between Cameron and Claire. It's their first argument that they have after getting married. And if you've never watched Married at First Sight, basically the premise of the show is uh, three experts, a pastor, a counselor, and a sex therapist, uh, interview a bunch of individuals who applied to be on the show, and then they pair them to get married, and they, the first time they meet is at the altar. And then they send them on a honeymoon, and then they have them move in together, and then at the end of eight weeks, they decide on camera whether they want to stay married or get a divorce. So that is the premise of the show and we're gonna just play the clip of Cameron and Claire talking and we're gonna start to break down some of the things that we're noticing um, pitfalls within their communication and things that are already starting to predict uh, things aren't going well yes absolutely <laughs> so um, Penny's gonna go ahead and play that for us now and we'll just pause the yes. comments we want to make happy honeymoon <laughs> Do you want to go unpack a little bit and kind of... Yeah. So you're going to grab mine, and I'm going to grab yours. Seems fair. Sure, it does, doesn't it? So that's probably our first moment right there. Uh, An observation um, with Cameron in general is his body language is flooded. He's anxious. Like, you can just feel his anxiety, I think, every time he is on camera. Yeah. And his facial expression, if you go uh, watch this season or this episode, so if you're watching it on Lifetime, it's episode four. If you're watching it on Amazon with the after parties, it's episode seven. Um, His facial expression is uh, like, uh, sure, like sarcastic. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's fair. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, maybe we even give some context around. What are the six predictors that we're going to be talking about? And then also maybe the lead up to this fight. <laughs> sure. So the lead up to the fight is uh, Cameron, I think, is like 6'3", and Claire is five foot. So there's a, a big height difference between them. And when they pack for their honeymoon, Cameron brings a carry-on, and Claire brings a very large suitcase that goes up to her waist. And he's made several comments, and some of the other participants have also, about how big her suitcase is and how it's like half her size. And um, so that's kind of the lead into the whole suitcase situation. And our predictors that we're going to use are um, the low commitment that they have eight weeks before they could get out of this, where in a real relationship you're, you're committing to a long term. We're going to talk about our four horsemen of defensiveness, stonewalling, criticism, and flooding. And then... Is that our four horsemen? I feel like I did no, that wrong. Contempt. contempt that's right. Oh, I did that wrong. So let me <laughs> go with that again. So contempt, criticism, stonewalling, and defensiveness. Yep. 
And then we're going to talk about flooding, which is a separate one, um, and body language and that attunement piece with body language, failed repair attempts um, in the relationship, especially during arguments, that is a big predictor of divorces. John Gottman has researched that if there's conflict happening, the ability to make those repairs in the right moments and to call what he called those sliding door moments to step through and create connection instead of argument is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is bad memories, is fights build up and build up and we don't make any repair attempt, or we, it, it's beyond just a repair attempt. We go into doing like an aftermath of the fight where we actually make repairs and let that go. Our brains hold on to those bad memories and those bad feelings until we actually process those out. Together. Yep. <laughs> Okay, so the first thing we noticed was some body language from Cameron and some sarcasm coming from him. Yes. Which is a form of defensiveness. Yep. Um, so we're right off the bat, we're getting defensiveness. Um, and I'm trying to remember, did she, she hasn't used a criticism quite yet. I don't think so. I think it's coming, though. Yeah. So sad. That cool that and I'll carry it. You didn't help me at all through the airport. There's your first criticism, right? <laughs> Always a hundred million tests ahead of me. I don't know where that is, but I am weak for everyone else. And he's just gone. I, I'm sorry, are you not able? No, I'm very capable. I'm just saying oh, okay. it's a kind gesture to help, and you definitely were not helping me. I was, you weren't helping me with my bag. And there's some defensive. I'm just saying. I could carry this in my teeth. And I think that common knowledge is that you help women with their bags. I've been told it's rude to assume that women can't do things. So. It would have been nice to have the assistance with that, with that large bag. You know what I mean? Cameron? So maybe we I can pause it for was, a minute. I think there she was trying a little bit to step out of criticism of... Um, oh, and I don't think so. I feel like that was that righteous indignation. Like, maybe, yeah. I'm, I'm better and I know more. Ah, uh, yeah. And, I know the uh, proper way to handle yes, the situation. Yes, and gotcha. men are supposed to do this because in my world that's how it's supposed to be. I feel like that was both of them, that righteous indignation piece of... of uh, of defensiveness, really, that's where righteous indignation stands, right? Because I know more than you, and I am more, I don't know, I know the right way to do things. Mm -hmm. I am defending my right to say that this is how it is, which, mm -hmm. again, creates that disconnect. Yeah, so we get her first criticism of, you didn't help me at all with my bag, uh, which is the, the true sign of criticism is that you statement mm -hmm. um and then him jumping right into defensiveness well you didn't help me you didn't offer to help me with my bag yeah <laughs> and then her saying you know it's the right thing to do and him saying well in my world this is the right thing to do mm -hmm. so another defensive statement on his part yeah both of them stepping into yes. that righteous righteous indignation like you're saying um He's like, well, the way that I always knew it was you don't assume that women can't handle their things. And she's like, well, it's just a gen general courteous thing that you would ask and help. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe what we'll do, since this is new one we're learning, we'll break down all of the, hmm, here's the predictors. And then we'll talk about what they could have done, how they could have done it different or better. Yeah, that work? I think that's a good okay. idea. Okay. So should I keep playing? Sure. Go for it. Okay. I'm right here with the suitcase. I think Cameron is getting a sense that I am pretty independent. But yeah, there's part of me that's like, I wish he would just be like, hey, do you need assistance? Or do you need, you know, and those kind of things, I think draw me closer to someone is when they're really asking like, hey, where are you at? What do you need? Are you angry with me? I think you kind of are. I'm not angry. You're not angry? About what? About me telling you that I wish I would have had help. Made a pause right there. That was a stumbling. Okay. Uh, for him to say, I'm not angry, right? Uh -huh. But if you're watching his body language, he's also completely flooded. Yeah. 
um, the coming up the stairs, I'm right here, and it's interesting, I'm thinking as she's doing her little talk there to the side, um, and if you're watching it, you can see like, it takes you out of the clip and she's just talking about like she's what she needs. She's being interviewed by the producer yes. separately. Yeah. Um, that like we don't have a crystal ball he doesn't know how to ask you what you need that's not his job right I think we can check in with our partner but also if you need something it's our job to tell them mm-hmm. um, yeah and I think it's funny that um, when she's talking to the producer and he's not around she uses what we will use as our antidote turning criticism mm-hmm. into a wish she yeah. literally says I wish yes he would have done this and it's like, okay, how do we learn how to do that in the moment with our partner? Yeah, instead of in hindsight when we're yeah. talking with somebody else. Yeah, and I really just want to bring up, we talk about how uh, really this becomes like a battle. They talk about that love is a battlefield and that song love is a battlefield because this is the perfect moment of that where we're seeing the like the put up your shield and defend and slash put your sword and criticize and his he does less criticizing other than that righteous indignation which was really a defensive statement but felt that like yeah he's probably just stonewalled behind his wall like he ducks behind his wall to hide and then he comes out and defends himself yeah because he's so flooded and the only thing we're getting from him is really defensive statements so Mm -hmm. um so yeah okay i'm in we good to play again yeah great a little bit. I, I appreciate And you were also kind of running away from me as well. Another criticism. Yeah, away from me. Those legs don't work like that. He <laughs> doesn't want to be anywhere around me. <laughs> and, and you know what? This is all goes back to communication. Like, I had to remind you, like, hey, I'm short. I'm going to be behind you. But hey, I would like to wait. And I did see you make that change. You did start to wait for me, which I appreciate. That's a repair You're attempt. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's bothering you that you feel like you wish that I was doing better? No, I think you're amazing. And defensive. <laughs> okay, so yeah, definitely back to a defensive statement. No, I think you're amazing. Where she did make a repair attempt there. Um, her, I think you did a really good job with this after I said something. So criticism, made a repair attempt. That would be one of those sliding door moments that he could have stepped into it with, you know, I'm glad you noticed that I had tried and... Um, finding ways to build on that moment that she's trying to make it. That's really that sliding door that he didn't step through. Instead, he continued to be defensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it could have been like a, yeah, thanks for noticing that I did try to correct that behavior. And, yeah, yeah. you could then step right into, like, what were his needs in the situation. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. So do we want to keep going? Yeah. Okay. That sounds sarcastic. <laughs> No, really, truly, is there something that's annoying you that you feel like, because I feel like we we are kind of, like, comfortable with each other, but not to the point where it's like, I, like, we don't see each other romantically at this moment, right? So I think, again, I think that's another repair attempt with her of saying, hey, what do you need? Uh, it, being attuned to the partner, meaning maybe she could be watching his body language or really understanding he's not okay. Yeah, and I think she's slightly doing that in the like that sounded like sarcasm really what is you know what's going on what do you need she's I think she's trying to Mm -hmm. um but also recognizing that at this moment he's very flooded yeah so being able to step into an honest and open conversation is not really accessible to him at this point yeah I don't know if it's accessible to him in that that they're not attuned they haven't built trust 
I don't know that he feels, we could talk about difference between trust and trustworthiness, right? Um, the Gottman's research shows trust meaning that uh, you're going to, I'm going to get these backwards, trust meaning that you've got my back and that I can trust that you're going to be there for me and trustworthiness meaning that you're going to sacrifice for the relationship. So I don't know that Cameron and Claire have built up any trust. If we were to do a trust measure on them, I'm going to guess it's pretty low mm -hmm. because neither one of them thinks, hey, you've got my back or you're going to sacrifice your own needs for the relationship. She doesn't think he's going to sacrifice his own needs around the suitcase to take care of her needs. And he doesn't think she's going to sacrifice not packing a ton of stuff in order to put the relationship first or um, that she's going to say, you know, I packed the suitcase. I can have some accountability here. We're definitely missing the accountability piece as part of this, as also goes with our horsemen, right? Um, the opposite of defensiveness is accountability. And there, I haven't heard accountability on either part, mm -hmm. just full defensiveness. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, then we're going to need to antidotes. Like less accountability on her part of like, yeah, I overpacked and I could have used more time walking through at a slower pace together maybe even some help lifting or moving it around mm -hmm. um and accountability from him of like yeah i didn't notice that i wasn't attuned well to you and i um you know wasn't fully responding to your requests yeah for help absolutely i would say again um accountability is an antidote to defensiveness so it's another way to step out of that so we're kind of stepping into some of the cures instead of the the issues but that's okay just, we can throw it out there. We're just chatting about it. We're just chatting about it organically. Okay we ready? Yeah. Okay. Right? His facial sure. expression says not and okay. And so I feel like growing that a little bit um, and working on that and trying to kind of figure that part out of us because like I said we have not touched that aspect. Um, yeah, like this but I mean, do you, do, you, do you have a plan of how we can get past that? Being here, experiencing things together, doing things together could definitely help that. And I'm going to try my... Okay, so I want to pause there for a minute because I do think that was another sliding door moment that he actually made an attempt to connect. Mm -hmm. So that was a turning towards moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think that was great. Yeah, of him getting curious, like, do we have a plan for this? How do we want to do that? I think it's interesting he said, do you have a plan for that instead of a... Uh, how are we going to do that as a couple? But I do think, and his body language relaxed a little of you, if you were watching that, that he's like, yeah, how do we do that together? And and uh, what does that look like? So I love the curiosity that he put into that in that attempt to connect. Mm -hmm. I think that was a definitely. Yeah, I'm going to give a slight aside here, but it's been interesting watching episodes of this in different seasons of this, the push and pull that comes from who's, choosing to make intimacy moments mm. who's choosing to push it forward who's pulling back and it's interesting the amount of women that have put the pressure on the men to be quote-unquote the manly man that's going to make the um, step forward and make the attempt towards intimacy but then if they don't do it immediately or the right way then they shy away and then they use it as like a well, but now I'm not comfortable with it. So then the guy ends up in this weird limbo, and then they don't end up moving forward. Yeah, I think those are interesting dynamics. And I haven't watched any other season. This is the only uh, the only parts that I've watched. In fact, I have now watched a total of the four episodes that we are <laughs> watching now. So, uh, yeah, I do think the intimacy, so some background with them. He's talked about really his love language is more physical, and that is how he expresses affection. 
and finds connection and hers and coming from her family is very verbal that they tell each other things and they check in and she also talks about them doing a lot of verbal roasting of each other and if you're part of the family you're going to get roasted uh, so there is some both sides of that dagger it sounds like verbally within the family that she is used to so mm-hmm. um, verbal expression is big for her and his friends were very upfront with her in their little meet the family meeting that he doesn't do well with affection and verbally he's not really open and so there's going to have to be a different way to communicate that they're both aware of yeah and I think it's interesting that when she's saying you know I'm not very open to physical touch right now so then he feels like he's in the position of saying so what is your plan for Mm -hmm. moving forward and then it does take them out of the it's a we thing it's both of us working towards it thing yeah on the their wedding night she gets in cute little jammies and gets into bed and he goes to get in the shower comes back out in his robe um and lays and so she's talking to the producer talking to the camera saying you know i don't know if maybe we'll get to cuddle we'll have some physical affection not wanting um intercourse but wanting to have some physical touch and they had had a interesting exchange where you know they had talked about this is my language this is your language and and I don't know how far I wanted to go, but we'll see what happens. So he gets out of the shower, lays on top of the covers on the bed in his robe, and says, you know, if you just stop talking, I'll probably just go to sleep. And she says, so I'll stop talking. And he goes to sleep. So really in that moment, I think she was hoping they would have a conversation about intimacy and they would discuss, you know, maybe cuddling or touching or anything. And he is very, like, flooded, closed off not even under the covers with her, I was which I think say, is really I interesting. Think the biggest thing that their challenge that they are going to face is him being flooded. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a flooding within the relationship, but also when he was talking to some of the ex- experts when getting interviewed, he's he flooded any time when he's on camera. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can also say that this is an extreme form of pressure. Yeah. Uh, that the body is going to start reacting and being flooded in that way of like, you know, there's cameras on me. There's, you know, at least probably three other people in the room of like two cameras mm-hmm. operating and a producer in there that's like analyzing and watching everything that's happening. And so these are going to be on a higher level of stakes than what is normal. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a main thing that's within their relationship that it's like he's flooded all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's go in. So again, she's talking about intimacy and how he said, you know, how are we going to make that happen? Mm-hmm. If I can unpause. Hardest to make sure we get to that moment so that we don't leave like, oh, we're moving into each other and we've literally never even held hands before. Yeah, I agree. But you did, you did tell me you didn't like to do that. No, I will. No, I will. The hand holding is totally fun. Okay. But there's a difference between that and like. Do you think she felt criticized there? He used a you statement. Was that a criticism you statement? And do you think she took it that way? I'm hearing a little bit of defensiveness come up for her. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's not really what I meant. I'm feeling some defensiveness. And I don't know if he meant that as a criticism, but you told me you didn't like that, right? I think she's feeling some of that. I think yeah. she's feeling some criticism. I think so. I think it was coming from a little bit more curiosity place from him, but it landed as criticism for yeah. her. It's hard to explain. I have been asking if Claire would be open 
to more physical touch and I've been getting a pretty strong uh, no. So to hear her say that she wants uh, physical intimacy uh, now, all I can say is I'm just confused. Just because I'm strong does not mean that I don't want those things, you know? But I'm certainly not going to advance on someone who doesn't seem to know what they want. I've been with guys in the past who don't express that they care, and to me, that's very, very hurtful. Inside, I do want the physical affection. I do want, you know what I mean? Like, it would be nice. So, trying to let him, she's trying to let him into her inner world. Let me tell you about me. You know, those sliding door moments, right? Like, let me tell you about myself. Mm -hmm. Um... And the look on his face is very, like, hmm, very, uh... It's very, uh, I'm confused, and you're giving me very mixed signals. And almost... I think this also goes back to angry. trust. I can't trust what you're saying. Yeah, maybe. Like, we haven't built that trust that I don't feel like we have each other's backs yet. And, and I do think that's what she's talking about, is that concept of trust and mm -hmm. trustworthiness. Like, I don't know yet that you've got my back and I've got yours, and we haven't built trust and we're on a honeymoon mm -hmm. and that's really tricky and how do we build that yeah yeah nice to feel cared for okay and i think that okay again very defensive okay Mm-hmm. um so i think that that was a interesting moment of like her trying to they're just tiptoeing around this intimacy thing so mm -hmm. hard yeah <laughs> well and around the suitcase because the suitcase came up before they even left yeah. the hotel yeah i think it's also like her saying i need to feel emotional intimacy before a lot of physical intimacy and him feeling like he wants to start with a physical intimacy She's like, I don't want to hold your hand until I know that. Because she specifically says, I need to feel cared for. Yeah. And the suitcase is now going to be cashed under her reasons of, he doesn't care for me. Yeah, because you didn't help with my suitcase. And you didn't wait for me. You left me in the airport while you wandered ahead with your long legs. And, and I do think he has some defensiveness coming up in his action because he doesn't walk with her, stand with her. It's that, well, if you don't want to be physical with me and hold my hand, then we're not physically together mm -hmm. and some interesting uh, body language there so I think our biggest antidote to talk about is the way that that could have started instead of saying uh, you take my suitcase I'll take yours we put that into a positive need statement which the formula for that is um, I, I feel know. about what I need um, specific call to action with our appreciations I'm going to add into that, um, in the most recent book I've been reading about Gottman, they talk about wish statements. So we talk about turning complaints into criticisms. I think the wish is a beautiful addition to this positive need statement in the way that we can do that. Yeah, so switching away from criticism and even away from complaints, um, which we've talked about before of, of having, instead of a criticism, we have a positive need statement or we turn it into a complaint. And in this more recent book, it's talking more about you can even turn it into a wish, which, which can is so help beautiful. Take you out yeah. of that complaining, criticizing place mm -hmm. altogether. So if she's not great at positive need statements yet, a thing she could have said at the very beginning was, um, I really wish you would take my suitcase upstairs 
right? So you're going to turn that into a wish instead of you take mine, I'll take yours. A positive need statement around that would have looked like, I feel I'm feeling not cared for. I think that could have been a feeling she's having or I'm feeling abandoned, neglected, alone. Um, so there's our I feel about what? Um, about uh, being left at the airport, about uh, not walking together, being together. So it could have been that um, because that's really what this is about. It's not about the suitcase, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I need, so being a positive need statement, what did she need from him? What does she need from him in this moment? I need to feel cared about and build trust with you. And then the call to action would be, could you do that by carrying my suitcase upstairs? And I appreciate the times yep. in the airport that you did slow down and yep. come back. That's our appreciation. Me. So finding a time when they did it really well. I know when I said, when I expressed my needs in the airport, you did such a good job of doing what I asked. I'm wondering if you could do that again this time and take my suitcase upstairs. And I think that would have opened the door for him to say yes or no. Definitely taking him out of defensiveness of I didn't realize that you needed uh, that intimacy or closeness with me or I can see how carrying your suitcase would help you feel cared about mm -hmm. but it really brings up that like your actions around trust to build trust create intimacy which brings closer to physical intimacy which is really the, the direction they need to go I also really love the power of the positive need statement starting with I feel an abandoned yeah. I feel alone those are very specific and were um, specific words that when said out loud to a partner it's like whoa okay you know most of us have a high enough level of empathy for humans in general that we can hear someone say I feel really alone right now I feel mm -hmm. abandoned I feel hurt um, and that's a lot more powerful of a way to step into that and break down those walls and and then it's followed up by what exactly happened so you get specific mm -hmm. about what it was that happened that triggered that feeling what they actually need you can release all that confusion that comes up when you step into this in the wrong way of like well i don't even know what you want yeah um and then yeah you end with the specific action and the appreciation so then you don't have to step into it's all your fault or you never do anything right yeah. um they can feel like they did something right or they have a step in the right direction so it really is a very potent and amazing, from my experience when I've used this with my partner, it's amazing how just starting off with that true, vulnerable, I feel. Yeah. Like those are really powerful. Sure, I think it's what is it, 96% of the time, it creates the outcome we want at the end versus really that 4% of the time when it's going to crash. So really it increases the chances of getting what we want and we go into conversation asking for what we want, asking for our needs to be met. And this is a way to do that. Uh, the honey or the, the wedding night when she wanted to have a conversation around physical intimacy and perhaps some cuddling, um, another one of those moments instead of her saying, so you just want me to shut up, right? Of, uh, I'm feeling confused about what's happening between us. And I... Uh, really need to have a conversation around intimacy or I have a need for some cuddling or some physical touch. I'm not sure what that looks like. Uh, could we have a conversation around that more? Could we just hold hands? Could we share our inner world so we create some intimacy between the two of us? Um, 
uh, it really has helped me in other relationships when that has happened. It's another of those moments. And if that's too big for her in the moment, she really could have say, hey, you know, I really wish we could have a conversation around intimacy. Or I really wish we could have some physical touch right now. Um, I think that could be another one of those moments to open communication instead of the two of them really shut communication down hard. And mm-hmm. it, it's very apparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely shuts down hard. (laughs) And I really like that it calls back to what you were saying. Neither of them are getting their needs met. He's frustrated and confused around where she feels with physical intimacy and uh, criticized Mm -hmm. from her. And she feels uncared for. Yeah. And And they're not building trust. Yeah, not building trust at all. So neither of them are really making progress forward in the conversations that they've been having. So I think if we break this down into our six predictors of divorce, um, I don't know that we have low commitment. I think just coming into this, there's, you know, in eight weeks we can choose yes or no. I think that's already there. There's an inherent level yes, of low commitment I think so. all of our couples. Yeah. yeah. And then we have those four horsemen. They're flying everywhere. I A little bit of, con- I don't know if we have full contempt, but I think he stepped into that in a moment looking at his facial expressions. I think we were close to that. Definitely emotional flooding. Body language and the ability to have attunement is not there. We're not paying attention to each other's body language or checking in to see how that is or what that is. Failed repair attempts. We missed a repair attempt at least on two occasions. Mm -hmm. And bad memories that build up. That's that. We've had a lot of these fights that we're not resolving. And we're already there because we have the issue over the night before with the intimacy. It sounds like there were several disagreements at the airport. And then this one that we're already starting to pile those up. So I would say for this couple, it's not looking good so far. Yeah. (laughs) Not looking great. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely some, just starting it off with um, those more positive need statements or wish statements from both of them. Him learning how to self-soothe and regulate and communicate when he needs a moment Mm -hmm. to re- um, regulate. Yes, and some accountability, which gets the opposite of that defensiveness. Yeah, that's flying around for both of them. Like mm-hmm. we talked about. Some yeah, other... in, in those moments when he could have said, you're right, I left you at the airport, yeah. and you are my wife, walking beside you is probably a good thing for me to do, and I can see why that would feel hurtful for me to be miles ahead of you, especially when you have shorter legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, attunement to both of them, I think that's going to be a time thing, but also, you don't pay attention to people's body language yeah. and build that attunement right to begin with and be able to build that trust. I've got your back. I can see you're struggling. What can I do for you? You know, it looks like you're really flooded right now. Or are you feel like physically you look uncomfortable? Do you need a minute before we have this conversation mm-hmm. um, or vice versa? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that a lot of these couples if they feel like they start off even mildly on the wrong foot it turns into a battle between them of like um i'm not going to be the one to step into vulnerability unless they don't trust you each do, other until yeah. you do yeah they're they're they have to really have a good first few days to start building their mm-hmm. trust and if not it becomes really hard for them to yeah. even start into that and then it becomes like a um I'm not going to try and attune to you. I'm going to try and take care of myself. It becomes a self-preservation thing. Yes, absolutely. Which makes sense. Everything we know about relationships and about divorce and the resources spend on my Gottman's, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to step into vulnerability. I'm going to take care of me. Um, may, maybe start to make comparisons about other relationships. I don't know if that's happened because I haven't watched these. It'll be fun to see how it evolves, to see what other 
um, patterns that have played out in the Love Lab and with Gottman's research over the last you know, 60 years play out in these relationships. It'll be interesting to see in mm-hmm. the future what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Anyway, not good so far for these two. And hopefully if these things are coming up in your relationship, you can correct and make some of those changes now and use your general startups or your positive need statements and your wish statements and be paying attention to those six predictors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll be sure to link episodes we've done in the past where we've broken down some of these concepts more in depth if you're curious to keep learning more about some of these predictors of divorce and um, we're excited to continue on with this series. We'll break down another argument um, or maybe we can even break down where it goes right with a couple and that would be good. for the good. Yes. Um, so we'll be sure to do that in a future episode soon. So we'll catch you in our next one. All right. Bye. Bye.